Terry Savage, the nationally syndicated financial columnist and author of Social Security Horror Stories, is our Wednesday guest in studio today. We'll have another guest joining us in about 10 minutes. Okay, Terry, what's going on? Well, uh, this is a day I look forward to every year. Um, yesterday was the annual Executives Club Economic Forecast Luncheon, which I have moderated for so many years I won't even begin to tell you. The first year, about 40 years ago when I did this, I realized I don't want to forecast. That's not my gig. I'm a great moderator. So for the last few years, we've had, uh, we have Diane Swank and Dr. Bob Fralick, of the Kane County Cougars, but who was a famous money manager, and John Rogers of Ariel Capital. And we've had this kind of a set team for the last few years because they cover all the grounds. Now, let me tee this up with some background for you, because I always start at this program at the Executives Club, 2,000 people in the audience, with some slides so people know, whoops, forgot to do that, with some slides so people know what happened in the past year. So just you know, if you're wondering, this was a crazy year. I mean, I sat here in this chair many times talking about there were wars, there was political uproar, there was all kinds of news in the past year. And yet the Dow ended up 13%. And we always use the Dow because it's it's just a small index of stocks, but it's been so popular. So um, from 3,400, we're up to we were up to about 37,500. 13% increase, one 13% three. increase, and the Dow literally was within a 50 points of its all-time high at the end of 2023, a couple of weeks ago. But listen to this: the Standard and Poor 500 index. This doesn't usually happen with such disparity. Was up 24% compared to the Dow's 13, because it had all those big tech stocks in it, and about seven stocks, eight stocks, accounted for 30% of the S&P's growth. But it was, a, and guess what? The NASDAQ, which two years ago was down about 30% um, in 2022, it last year was up 43%, because that's where NVIDIA and a lot of the chip stocks and tech stocks are. So we had a year last year where the Dow was within its all-time high, S&P was at its all-time high, and the NASDAQ was up 43%. Right now, you are about to open an envelope or go online anyway and see your year-end statement in your 401k. Forever I've said, you know what, you don't have to beat the market. All you have to do is be the market, just buy the S&P 500 index fund. Hey, your account's up 24% if you did that. Now, who needs more than that? Well, our forecasters every year talk about, is there going to be a recession? I want you to know at yesterday's luncheon, there was, Diane said there might be a mild recession. There was general consensus that there would be no recession. Pretty much all of them figured interest rates would be lower and inflation would be lower. I won't bother giving you the details. In other words, it's going to be a presidential election year. They all said, now set that aside. The Fed doesn't work like that. But they figured that the Fed has done enough and is showing signs of not doing too much. And um, they all figured there would be rate cuts starting in the spring. But one forecaster, Dr. Bob Fralick, always and correctly always, it's just been amazing, outrageously, he started around 12,000, say, giving a forecast of 15,000, and sure enough, it happened the next year. He's been very bullish for really good reasons, been very right. Now, you may remember two years ago, he said Dow 401k. He said, you'll remember that, Terry, 40,100. 
Well, of course, last year the market was down two years ago. And yep. then he, last year he said, I'm still sticking with that target. Last year, actually, he said 39,000, but it will be up. He was, his was the boldest of our forecasts, and we were actually, he was actually the closest of our forecasters. So what does Dr. Bob Freilich, prognosticator extraordinaire, written six books translated in how many languages, sits on the board of a bunch of mutual funds, and owner of the Kane County Cougars, what did he forecast for 2024? It took my breath away, and you're just going to have to wait and hear it from him. Terry Savage is here, and she invited her friend, Dr. Bob Freilich, to join us once again. Dr. Bob, welcome back to the Trust Business Lunch. How are you? I'm doing great, John. Happy New Year. It's great to be here again. I don't know if you heard Terry Savage's setup, but she's got you all set up here, sir. Yeah, yeah, she she always she always does. That's for sure. Well, she reminded us how good, with but one exception of late, you've been good at giving us a sense of how the markets will do at the end of the year. So, without a drum roll, what, <laughs> we need a drum roll. What, drum did, you, roll. what did you tell Terry and company? Well, let me let me set a quick foundation, John, because I think it's really important for, for for the listeners to understand the logic behind the number. And I'll, I'll give you the number, but here's here's my logic. There's two things that I think going to drive the market much higher than most people realize, and one is. The fundamental fact that it's harder to start the economy than stop the economy. So, in other words, all these rate hikes that we've had have basically destroyed real estate, destroyed the automotive industry. No one's buying cars. No one's buying or selling houses. And now the Fed is shifting gears and going to start cutting rates. Well, they just don't get the chance to cut one or two times, and all of a sudden everything's going back to normal. It's much more difficult to do, so I think there's going to be a series of rate cuts. Actually, I think there's going to be eight of them. That creates an unbelievable foundation for the stock market. So that's the one catalyst. The second catalyst that I see happening that virtually no one is talking about is once the war in Ukraine broke out, basically mergers and acquisitions stopped completely. No companies were listing on the stock market, whether it was NASDAQ or New York Stock Exchange. So you had initial public offerings disappearing, M&A activity disappearing. And by the way, investment bankers only get paid if that happens. So they didn't get paid last year and they're not happy. They're looking to drive a lot of that business this year. So in my mind, the combination of a series of rate cuts, along with an uptick in mergers and acquisitions and initial public offerings, I think you're going to see a Dow Jones Industrial Average approach 44,000 by the end of the year. Radio silence. All right, you heard that right. Say it again, Dr. Bob. Let's make sure we it's, got that on our podcast. 44,000, four, four, comma, zero, zero, zero. Now, I, I, you know, look, the number sounds big. It's really not that big because if you look at where we are today, and I'm going to just round up because I think today always ends up on a, a couple double-digit gains uh, at the Dow when I'm on this show. Yeah. We're just good luck together. Uh, you know, so let's just say it's at 38,000. You know, to get from 38,000 to 44,000 is only a 16% gain, uh, gain and, and a little bit of change, and I, I think it's going to happen. I just think there's so much pent-up demand with consumers and so much pent-up demand with investment bankers, and when you combine that with with, with rate cuts, I, I just think there's going to be more good news than bad news in, in the market. Do you think eight rate cuts is your wish, or do you have any insight about the fact that the Fed is thinking the same way? Because I haven't heard any. We had a guy on uh, last week say two. You're saying eight. 
Yeah. No, I, 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 I don't have any insight or, or direct conversations with anyone that's a policymaker. My, my insight, John, is 40 years of experience that tells me that you can stop an economy on a dime. All you got to do is raise rates 50 basis points or 75 basis points, do it twice, and you can scare everyone to death. It's very, very difficult to get them to start spending again. So my, my belief is the fact that it's harder to start the economy is going to make them cut rates more. And the other thing is, even though everyone likes to believe that the Fed is totally independent, is never swayed by politics, the fact of the matter is it's an election year and everyone wants the economy to do better. And I just think it's going to put them really even more under the microscope mm-hmm. to continuing to cut rates to move things forward. So I, I think it's a combination of politics and the fact that it's it, we're, we're like a barge. We're not like a little speedboat. When you turn it, it's hard to turn it back. Does that imply, Dr. Bob, the possibility of eight rate cuts that maybe the economy is weaker than anybody thinks uh, now and that they'll have to keep cutting to get it going and cutting again? Uh, does that imply a recession or even a mild recession? Not not a recession, but it is weaker than than, than, than people realize. I mean, look, you know, they're, they're virtually, I mean, the real, not just the commercial real estate market, but the residential real estate market. Even people that want to sell their house can't sell their house because the person wants to buy their house, doesn't want to pay the interest rates at this high rate. So, you know, you've had automobile sales down, you know, big ticket items down. And, and the residual effect, you know, when someone buys a new house, they want a new big screen TV, they want a new refrigerator, they want an ice maker. So the all that stuff has stopped. So, yes, the economy is weaker than people realize. And quite frankly, that's one of the reasons why the Dow isn't above 40,000 today instead of sitting at 37,000 and change. But it can all be fixed, and I think it will be fixed. I think there is a zero, zero percent chance of a recession. Just zero. There's too much money out there chasing too few goods. Everyone outside the United States is still looking at the United States as the place to invest. And I think you put that combination together, there's just no scenario other than, uh, other than a major war breaking out that would change everyone's forecast. I, I do not see a recession in the cards. All right. Then the question is, where do you go? Now, we just pointed out that the Dow is up a very nice 13 percent and you're figuring maybe 16 percent next year. That's not outrageous. But the S&P was up 24 percent last year. The Nasdaq up 43 percent. That was the tech stocks. That was the NVIDIAs and all the, well, you know, the, the big cap tech stocks. So would you avoid those? And is the Dow do better than those indexes this year because yeah. uh, it's not a tech stock heavy index? I was wondering about the fundamentals on the rest of the yeah. markets. Yeah, exactly. I, I think the Dow will be the outperformer because the others are going to have to take a breath. You know, I mean, they, they were extreme outperformers, especially NASDAQ. I mean, come on, blowing through at 40 percent gains. I mean, it doesn't mean that it's going to reverse itself. I still think there's opportunities in both the broader market at the S&P 500 and NASDAQ. But I really think you're going to see the Dow as the outperformer of the three indices. And, it, you know, again, I, I think the strength is going to come from a big pickup in consumer spending. And keep in mind, business spending has not been that robust either. I mean, businesses are pretty savvy. They're financing things, and they're just not going to pay that higher yeah. rate uh, you know, to do things. So when you combine the uptick in business spending, uptick in consumer spending, it, it, it's a sweet spot for the Dow. 
We're talking to Dr. Bob Freilich. He was at the Economic Forecast Luncheon, the Terry Savage hosts. And Bob's bona fides on the economic and baseball front are well known in these parts. But to go from where we are now, say 38 to 44,000 on the Dow, uh, would cheer a lot of people up, even if he were half right. He's thinking eight, eight uh, Fed cuts. Uh, what what would the ramification then be for mortgages, mortgage rates, car loans? I don't know if you're interested in credit card debt, too, but what would happen to all of those interest-bearing things? Oh, it affects, it affects everything. Here's the, here's the beauty, Yeah, but I'm John. wondering what you see for a 30-year fixed, for instance. Well, I, I, I think you're gonna. I, I think you're gonna follow fall in line with what happens with rate cuts. You know, those. I, when I say rate cuts, I'm talking about 25 basis points. You know, eight times. So we're talking about two percent. I think you could see that same residual effect of having maybe two, even three percent on the downside for that. that that's going to be an unbelievable fuel, and people are going to continue to spend that money because here, here's the deal: as as your adjustable mortgage rate went higher, you figured out how to pay it and. Now, all of a sudden, when that rate comes on, you, you think that's monopoly money because you used to spend that. You're going to continue to spend it and spend it even more. So we think the catalyst is, in, in many ways, instead of the money going to the bank for your mortgage, the money's going to go places that's going to have a ripple effect. And so I think that's the underlying story why, as the Fed really cuts okay, rates, the, then, the, the story gets wrong. By your math, we would be at about 4% on a 30-year fix by the end of the year if your forecast were true. No, no, no. We're at six and three quarters. We are now, but yeah. I'm saying by yeah. his I, math, I, I, at the I end of the we year, four. No, we yeah, would be I, around I, four. Yep, I, I absolutely. Okay, I mean, okay. I think especially especially if the Fed cuts first in the first quarter, which I believe, because so many people are saying they're not going to cut until the second half of the year. I think that's baloney. I think the first cut's going to be in the first quarter, so that gives it time to move the mortgage rates lower and everything. And so that 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 I I think we will be approaching four percent. Right, Terry's got another question, and I do too. Do you have another minute to talk to us after the news, Doctor? Absolutely, I sure do. Bob Freilich is with us. How about that? Terry Savage is our Wednesday guest, and today she's invited Dr. Bob Freilich to join us as well. Terry, what makes us believe what Dr. Freilich has to say? Well, I'm going to let him tell you that, but actually in his many years as a professional fund manager, he serves now as a director of some mutual funds, many years with major financial institutions calling the shots on investment portfolios. And uh, he's written six books that have been translated into I don't know how many different languages on investing. And I think he's one of, I've always thought he's one of Chicago's hidden gems. He's He's just such a terrific forecaster and a terrific guy. And, you know, he stepped back from all except leading a few mutual fund, being on the board of some mutual fund companies. But uh, he bought the Kane County Cougars. You know, talk about living the dream. And then immediately afterwards, the pandemic happened. And talk about a terrific, excellent business Well, if he was such manager. a good forecaster, he should have seen that the pandemic <laughs> was coming. Yeah, right, not. But you know <laughs> that they have been recognized every year for among the top 5% of minor league baseball teams in their charitable generosity. Their foundation for the last seven years, despite all of this, has given over a million dollars to local charities. So if you haven't been out there to their magnificent ball field in Kane County, uh, which is now they're taking business groups, they're setting them up for the summer. This is when you get your Friday afternoon, the whole team goes right, to a ball game right, kind of thing. Right, time to book that. And I think, it, and I believe, I'll ask Dr. Bob, it's the Northwestern Memorial Hospital Kane County Cougars baseball stadium. It's, a, it's really beautiful and lovely out there. That's all about you, Bob.
Did I say anything wrong? No, that was that was the best commercial I've ever had in my life, especially in the beautiful Northwestern Medicine Field Park. Yeah. Thank so you. Bob said, and why do we remind you about his background? It's because at the um, economic luncheon that Terry hosts every year, Bob's an annual guest as well. He gives his forecast. He's been very accurate. But for the year of the pandemic and he said on our show just a moment ago and at your luncheon that he thinks the Dow finishes this year at 44,000, 16% up. And he also thinks the Fed will have eight uh, rate cuts this year. Uh, David Hochberg, our mortgage expert, is in the uh, conference room. We're having a little luncheon today. And he fell out of his chair. Yeah, well, I fell out of my chair on the stage yesterday at the Executives Club luncheon. But the market's pricing in six. Of people conservative say, well, maybe two. Maybe it'll start later in the year. Dr. Bob's all in on the I fact. appreciate the enthusiasm or the, uh, the positivity. But I, I hope that's not coloring your forecast there, Bob. I mean, yeah, that'd be great. But I hope you're being as sober about this as you can. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I always am, and, and I, I never try to forecast what I want to happen, right. but I forecast what I believe is going to happen. And, and again, it, it goes back to be, before I gave the numbers. You know, the numbers almost don't matter. What matters is what in the world could be the catalyst that drives those numbers. And so in my mind, John, when I look at eight rate cuts, and you said it before, if I only get half of those, this market is going to take off. I mean, it clearly, in my mind, will at least be up 10%. And then you combine that on the fact that there is so much private equity money waiting to do M&A deals, mergers and acquisition deals, waiting for the, IP, the in, in, initial public offering, IPO market to pick back up. I just think there's going to be a, so much catalyst and so much money moving around so fast right. that I think that really is the foundation right, for okay, the wait, market wait. going higher. Okay, now I'm going to do the contrarian approach because I've interviewed a couple of Well, I've of got bears. two points to make along those lines, too. Go ahead. All right. So, Dr. Bob, there's a lot of real estate loans coming due this spring that will be refinanced at much higher rates, even if rates are down a bit now. There's a lot of concern about um, even the impact still on banks and so forth, but particularly commercial real estate. You think that the, the negative aspects of businesses refinancing loans at higher rates or commercial real estate needing to be refinanced, especially look at loop office buildings now being sold at, you know, 10% of their mortgage value. Is that negative going to be enough to drag them things down or were you still optimistic despite that? No, I, I'm, I'm still optimistic despite that. that. That is a negative, obviously, when you have to refinance your debt at a higher rate, even though the rates will be lower when they refinance them than they are today. So it could have been worse than what it was. The, the catalyst that I think that everyone is not focusing on is all the adjustable rate mortgages that are out there. Because remember, the consumer, not business, accounts for two-thirds of the U.S. economy. And that two-thirds of the U.S. economy, everyone was buying in on adjustable rates. We had a lot of fixed rates at the low end, but it, as it start moving higher, people were in on the adjustable rate. So they're going to see that, it, you know, that that's going to be, as I, I like to call it, monopoly money, because that money has already gone out the door. So when they get it back, they're going to spend it again. So I, I think that right. I think that adjustable rate catalyst is what's going to offset the resetting of the refinancing at a higher rate. What about student loans? That money's now got to start paying off loans. And what about all of the credit card debt that people are having? Yeah, I mean, the, 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 those issues, John, are are 
so big to deal with, and, and, and I don't mean to put them off, but th- that was an issue five years ago, four years ago. It'll be an issue five years from now and three years from now. I, I, and I don't want to make light of it. It, it is a, a, a negative down a, a, on the market. I just think that right now everything is so divisive in Washington. If one party says black, the other says white. If one says up, the other says down. You know, to, to fix the, the, the student loan and to really adjust how we how we let the consumer finance things uh, you, you know we just uh, our, our consumers that you know they, they wouldn't pass financial literacy 101 yet we send them seven credit cards in the mail every day okay. uh, so it's but I as think bad it's as that thing. is that's not new you're saying we're going to continue to to weather or ignore that storm I'm I'm going to say that's that that's a headwind, but not enough of a headwind to stop the powerful tailwinds that I know are coming with rate cuts and and mergers and acquisitions and initial public offerings. I got that. So I got much that. Okay, I, and so we're, we're, we're going to run out of time here. What else, Terry? I want to drag you into politics for a minute because people are thinking that. And that's I'm not getting where text you messages go. about this. Okay, oh, I'm sure you are. So, tell me. Where the does it matter a who gets elected? Obviously, it does in terms of economics. But is some of that going to be reflected in the market throughout the year? Because we won't have the election until toward the end of the year. What, how does politics figure in here? And does it really you know, impact I, the Fed? Um, the politics really impacts individual sectors and individual industries. You know, who sits in the White House can have great power in terms of executive orders on what they, how they either help or how they either hurt certain industries, but the overall economy, I mean, the overall economy and market, it does great under Democrats and great under Republicans and horrible under Democrats and horrible under It's not that easy. I wish it was. What happens is individual sectors and individual industries will tend to outperform or underperform. What I think is going to drive the markets, lower interest rates, a lot of consumer activity going on. I think that's what's going to push the market higher. Now, I would also give you this urge of caution. When the conventions start in the summer, it's going to be really choppy in our market because I think we're going to have a great first half of the year. Rates are going to start getting cut in the first quarter. Everyone's going to be happy. The markets will be going up. And then we're going to have those crazy conventions. It's all going to be negative news. And I think what's going to happen is the market takes a pause because foreign investors do not understand U.S. politics. Heck, most U.S. investors don't understand U.S. We don't U.S. understand politics. U.S. politics. <laughs> this yeah. so listener says, the table. Can, how can, um, they said, however, how can your money and investment expert be so optimistic with the nation's debt as it continues to continually grow? Doesn't excessive debt crush buying power and opportunity? It's it does if the economy doesn't grow. If we had a stagnant economy or if we had a recession uh, heading out, you, you, the, 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 way, the, the easiest way to fix debt is you grow out of the debt. I, I wish we had the, the, the fiscal fortitude to manage it the other way, and that is to reduce the debt. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't see that happening from either political party. Okay. But what I do see happening is you grow out of the debt by the economy getting stronger, the market getting stronger, and thus the percentage of the debt that you have to deal with is smaller as part of the overall My economy. last question from some of our listeners with 4 and 5% fixed rate opportunities out there, what about T-bills, what about uh, Treasury bills or I-bonds? Should people be yeah. putting money in those, or should they uh, go ahead and get an index fund if we're going to go to 44 Look at I, I. I would I, every everyone has to do what, what they're comfortable with and with their financial advisor. And Terry always gives great advice on that. I'd never be all in, even though I, I, I really am extremely bullish. 
put some money in T-bills, put some safe money in, just in case that 1% chance I'm not right. You know, so that would be the way to hedge, <laughs> yeah. that, would be the way to hedge that bet, because I'm coming back on the show as soon as we cross 40000 and then when we're at 44, we can have a big party at the end of the year. That's a date. I'll bring Boy, champagne when I'll that happens. That. All right. Dr. Bob Freilich, it's um, just a fraction of the questions we had, but a lot of ground and information covered. Very interesting. Let's uh, not wait until this time next year to have you back on, Bob. Super. Thank you, John. I appreciate it. Thanks, Terry, very much. We'll see you at Northwestern Memorial Field for a Kane County Cougar baseball game. Okay, Terry, thank you. Stay right there. Terry's got more thoughts about this, and maybe we'll answer some of your questions, too. 312-981-7200. More business news with Steve Grzanich. Start your timer. It's time for the Wintrust Business Minute, sharing Chicago's business news of the day. The head of Chicago's Wintrust Financial says the bank will be a buyer, not a seller, as it moves forward. CEO Tim Crane has been in charge of Wintrust since last May and says he hopes the bank will make new acquisitions in 2024. He spoke with Crane Chicago Business. He says any acquisition will have to be a good culture fit as not to jeopardize what the bank's created around a focus on clients. Crane says Wintrust will also look for deals that add to its existing businesses and are within or next to its current geographic reach. That area stretches from northern Indiana to southern Wisconsin. Wintrust Financial is the largest locally headquartered bank in Chicago. Downtown Chicago office vacancy rates ended 2023 lower thanks to companies cutting back on space. Vacancy hit a new record high of 23.8 percent, up nearly a full percent from the third quarter. The data comes from real estate services firm CBRE. The downtown vacancy rate was just 13.8% at the beginning of the pandemic. It's hit a new record high for six consecutive quarters. I'm Steve Grzanich, and that's your Wintrust Business Minute. Business of food and Steve Alexander. Thank you. And today we're going to talk about... Vasilopitov. Say that again. Vasilopitov. What that is and who she is after I thank the Chevy, Silverado, and ChevyDriveChicago.com for sponsoring the business of food today. There's never been a better time to put a Silverado in your toolbox. Okay, at noon today. It's an event. <laughs> Cook County Treasurer Maria Pappas is hosting a food-related celebration of the new year that goes way back to St. Basil the Great of the Greek Orthodox Church. In the 4th century, St. Basil wanted to distribute money to poor people, so he commissioned all the women to bake a sweetened bread, Vasilopita. So inside this bread, he placed gold coins as a way to not only nourish families, but surprise them with like an unexpected gift. She says Greek Orthodox families continue that tradition today. And then they start cutting the bread with the head of the household first and then people on down the line to the youngest in the family. And the issue is who gets the one coin inside the bread because what it does is it brings you extra good luck for the new year. Cool, but about those coins, maybe St. Basil could pull it off, but gold is expensive. It's probably a fake coin now because they're like a thousand bucks, a thousand bucks a piece. Steve. <laughs> Or sometimes in the real cheap Greek households, they take a quarter and wrap it in aluminum foil, you know? Yeah, I get that. What about the recipe? Three cups of flour, some sugar, butter, orange juiced orange zest, because I told you it's a little sweet. Baking powder, baking soda, vanilla salt. You throw it into the pan, you throw in the coin, and it is done in roughly 45 to 50 minutes. And happening over this noon hour in the treasurer's office is quite the international event with most of the consulates in the Chicago area represented as His Eminence Metropolitan Nathaniel of the Chicago Greek Orthodox Church cut to the Vasilopita to see who will have especially good fortune for 2024. Have you ever gotten the coin, Maria? Oh, yeah, I have gotten the coin. Yeah, sure. 
that's why I'm the treasurer. I got the coin. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. On the food calendar, today is National Oysters Rockefeller Day and National Bittersweet Chocolate Day. I'm Steve Alexander. That's the business of food on 720 WGN. Terry, we got about... Two and a half minutes. What else do you want to say? Let me say one thing. Uh, Dr. Bob differentiated between the Dow and the S&P 500. People say, how do you buy the Dow? Everybody's got an S&P 500 index fund in their retirement account. And for most people, that'll do just fine. There is an exchange-traded fund, an ETF, that uh, follows the Dow. The uh, symbol is DIA. It's the spider ETF. It used to be called Not the DJIA, Dime. No, no, but it's DIA. like it's DIA. It was used to be the Diamonds way back in the way back, as I recall. DIA. So that's a symbol for the ETF that tracks the Dow. So if you want to bank on everything he just said, that would be one way to capitalize on the growth. Exactly, if you want to specifically target the Dow Jones Industrial Average. Uh, Every week we get this question, hey, Terry, is it better to put money in high-yield savings accounts or in a T-bill? Okay, right now, six-month T-bills yielding about five and a quarter. That's probably what it'll be at the auction next Monday. Um, You can send your money around the country to high-yield savings as long as they're FDIC-insured, but typically... It's easier to roll over treasuries because you'll do an automatic renewal. You won't have any money being wire transferred and missing a few days of interest, which makes all the difference. But FDIC insured is fine. I like T-bills, treasurydirect.gov. There's how to buy them on terrysavage.com. Arlene, what can we do for you? You're on with Terry Savage. Hi, how are you? Um, I've been seeing recently in the papers uh, banks advertising for 5.4% on CDs. Uh, yes, that's getting bigger, or do I invest? Um, I think rates will start coming down, and rates at banks fall faster than they go up. You know, they lag. That's how we got you all into T-bills. But if you can lock up 5.4, 5.5 on a one-year CD, that's fine. FDIC insured, stayed under the $250,000 limit. It's nothing special about Treasury bills, except that for a while, banks were so uh, stingy about raising rates when they were going up. That's why I said, hey, wait. Here's where you go. But we have good banks in town, and there are many of them offering nice high rates. Good luck, Arlene. And what about this, Terry? It would have been a question for Bob as well, but you could answer this. With eight rate cuts, what do you think happens to inflation? Well, this is all predicated. The Fed will not be cutting rates unless it sees that inflation is down. As Diane Swank correctly pointed out, they learned their lesson uh, by giving up uh, in the 80s. And then we had to have a double recession. They raised rates again in the early 80s. They are not going to let inflation reignite. Tomorrow we'll have the CPI number estimated 3.2% year over year, down from 9% in, I think, January or February two years ago. So we are making great progress. The Fed will not keep cutting if it sees inflation reigniting. And because the Fed's cutting and if inflation comes down, you will see interest rates come down. Tough on savers, but very good for mortgages. This was a remarkable edition of the Wintrust Business Lunch with Terry Savage and her friend, Dr. Bob Fralick. If you missed it, I want you to go back and listen to it at WGNRadio.com and hear what he said and all of the arrows we threw at him and how he was able to account for them with his rosy forecast. So don't miss it. It's at WGNRadio.com. After the show, producer Pete will put this up as a podcast on my page. And there'll be a link on my page at TerrySavage.com. Nice to see you, Terry. Thanks, Sean.